You're listening to the Charity Champions Podcast. Each year, TFNB Your Bank for Life chooses six nonprofits from around Central Texas to recognize as Charity Champions. Tonight's Charity Champion is... Champions enjoy live on-field presentations at Baylor University home football and basketball games, online broadcast and print marketing exposure, and world-class leadership development through 360 Solutions, all at no cost to the nonprofit. In this podcast, we want to get to know our Charity Champions a little better. We're bringing those who help and those who have been helped into the studio to hear the stories behind the champions. In this episode, our second charity champion of 2018, the MCC Foundation Men of Color Success Initiative. Just having somebody to navigate and give insight and to be able to reach out to and ask questions, to maybe see a path that you're going that they can give you some guidance and then to be able to listen. Those are things that we all want to have. Program coordinator Dr. Frank Graves and MCC Foundation Executive Director Kim Patterson tell us how they're trying to help men of color succeed in college and in life. And now the MCC Foundation Men of Color Success Initiative. All right, welcome to the podcast. We got Kim and Frank here in the studio, and you guys are from the MCC Foundation Men of Color Success Initiative. Why don't you guys explain for us what that means? Uh, I don't know if Kim or Frank, you want to go first. So the Men of Color program is a program designed to um, increase the retention and completion rates of men of color. Uh, We found that about four years ago that our completion rates was about 27% for those students who are persisting from fall to fall. And as part of a bigger initiative called Achieving the Dream, we were kind of tasked with looking at our, uh, looking deep into our data and then identifying from the data those particular areas that we could support and needed more support. Well, when we saw that 27% completion rate, we felt that there was a need there. And so the Men of Color program was designed to develop connections for those students to some of the existing things we have on campus. We've got a numerous amount of resources, but many of those students were not taking advantage of it. So it's really a program designed to connect them. And we do that by mentoring monthly meetings and certainly engaging the students. And so, Kim, this is part of the MCC Foundation? It's the program on campus that we support strongly. The MCC Foundation, is it exists to support MCC and our students. Usually that takes the form of scholarships. We have several hundred scholarships that we award every year. In fact, we're super proud and would like to brag that we just surpassed the $500,000 mark for awards for the 18-19 school year. So we really work hard on having scholarship support. That's great. It's one piece of the puzzle. However, we also know that just getting into school is not always going to guarantee success. And we started seeing this overall campus initiative of we need to make sure these students succeed regardless of what challenges they face. So the MCC Foundation got involved with these sort of support programs several years ago. We have a food pantry that we fund through donations. We have an emergency grant program that we fund through donations to help students when they encounter roadblocks. Men of color, when it came into being, were like, this is a perfect opportunity to really make a difference for these students. So the MCC Foundation got involved. And so now we raise support to help support this program, which, by the way, has been entirely volunteer-driven up to this point. So we are excited to bring our um, collective skills together to help promote the program and make sure that it thrives. So bring me back to the very beginning. Who was the first member of the Men of Color Success Initiative? Back in about 2013, we uh, attempted to write a grant for the coordinating board to receive actual funding to have the program. We didn't get approved, but felt like we wanted to certainly move forward 
with it. And so that's where Kim kind of referenced it being a volunteer, kind of approached uh, Ron Hoxteller, myself, and uh, Al Pollard, who was a, at the time was a vice president of program development, moved forward with uh, kind of looking at some of the programs, using what we wrote in the grant to certainly go ahead and institutionalize that and start the program. So that's initially how it started. And probably some of the first, I guess, participants were Jared Robinson and Derek Dixon Lopez, who have have been certainly the first two that attended the uh, Men of Color Consortium Leadership Conference, and we were certainly kind of, I guess, the pioneer participants in the program. What did it look like when the program first started? Like, was the meetings the first thing you guys started with? So we've gone through a lot of uh, changes there, but certainly getting the meeting. The initial thing was meetings and getting getting the word out and trying to recruit students to do that. And then as we got them into the meetings, we paired them up with mentors on campus. So we would pair them up with staff, faculty, and staff who've expressed an interest in mentoring. And so our goal was to have a one-on-one mentoring set up for the for the participants. Uh, we, we still continue to do that, but have found that more of a group mentoring, when we have those meetings that we have, we have a more of a, a, certainly a formal setting where we have advisors and folks come in and give presentation. But then on the end of that, we have more of just an informal kind of shop talk type of thing where you can get down and ask questions and just feel relaxed and comfortable. Many of the programs reference a kind of a barbershop talk where you can just sit there and talk with other men and uh, about uh, issues and things and, and not so much be so scripted. So we've, we've kind of you know adapted that process as we've gone along. So Frank, why was this something that was near and dear to your heart? Working in McLennan Community College, student success is at the forefront of what we do. I mean, that's on the forefront of that. So this is just a part of that overall initiative. And having been mentored myself, uh, where I mentioned Mr. Al Pollard, who's the uh, vice president of program development there at the college. Um, he was certainly a mentor for me. Uh, he had initially started working through this program, and um, since his retirement, I've tried to kind of pick up the reins and keep his vision going, and certainly he's involved and he is a mentor. So seeing that and being a part of that and his interaction with me, we know that mentoring and then having relationships with individuals and with students will increase their success. So the opportunity here is we've got a lot of resources on campus, then we get students connected to that, and we get them connected with a strong relationship with a faculty or staff member, then their likelihood of success is going to increase. Let's go back to young Frank. What did young Frank needing mentorship look like? Well, and, and certainly from a standpoint in the in the professional world, when I first came, been in MCC for 13 years, just having somebody to navigate and give insight and to be able to reach out to and ask questions and to, to maybe see a path that you're going that they can give you some guidance on and then to be able to listen. I mean, so those are things that we all want to have, and maybe not a guiding angel, but somebody that we know that's in our corner that will be certainly supportive of us and have our best interest in our heart. And they have a belief in you that you're going to make it. They know that you can be successful, and it's an ongoing message. So with the students, they need to hear that you can make it, and you're supposed to be here, and we're going to help make you and assist you with making it. You give the effort. We've got the resources in place to make that happen. And so hearing that from uh, mentors, which, you you know, that's inspiring, and that certainly keeps you on track. We all know there are going to be challenges with, uh, you know, with many of the students that we have on campus. They have many challenges, but like Kim referenced, uh, a lot of the things that she has in place there or to help them get over the hurdle. 
Well, they may not know about them. They may not be uh, in the loop to be exposed to them. And our goal would be to be able to connect them to those resources so they could take advantage of it. You mentioned challenges. What are the biggest challenges that men of color at MCC are facing? You know, when you think about the challenges, and it's not just unique to the men of color, when you think of fin- from a financial standpoint, most of our students are going to be in need of financial assistance and some type of financial aid. Though many of them may be first-generation students. They've never had an opportunity or a parent or you know, even a relative to complete college, so they don't know how to to navigate the system. So they need someone on board to certainly help them. When you think about social disadvantaged uh, circumstances they come from, and then, you know, just certain disabilities, then the academic support. Many of our students have their developmental needs, meaning they have not tested high enough in their math and reading to go straight into college-level courses, so they need some remediation courses. So having those things in place, we've got the resources and we've got programs and we've got the uh, developmental courses, we've got advising, we've got early alert systems to alert when students are, you know, having troubles. We need to make sure to connect the students to those resources, and that's certainly the the part of the program that we really focus on. I kind of want to paint a picture because I got to see you guys in action today. You weren't there exactly, Frank, but the two other gentlemen we were with today, Derek and also Carlos, is that the names? Yes. So we were visiting a class, and one of your professors is a mentor for the program, I guess. Uh Dr. Hochstatter. Yes, Yes. and he called aside one of the students after class and said, we have this program, and then they just kind of walked up real naturally and started talking about it, and you could see his eyes open up. And he's mm-hmm. like, I didn't know all this was there. Is that kind of common? People don't know all this is here? I would agree. And, and those are the type of opportunities we want to present. And it is better when we have students that can engage with other students. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can sit and kind of talk and, and lecture and do that. But when you have students that say, hey, I've been where you are. And hey, this program helped me or here's some resources. Uh, that's incredible. That's certainly the kind of the process we want to uh, develop. So these two guys are probably very good success stories, and I'd love to have them on the podcast at some point. But can we just kind of talk briefly about them or other people that have gone through the program that have really had some success? So you'll have those two, and those will certainly be two that when you think about Derek and his coming to McLennan and certainly be one of the pioneers in the program to go to the leadership conference, and then from a workplace standpoint to really go to your employer and excel and move up from a work to supervisory to certainly leadership role. I mean, he speaks to the volume of being at, from an academic standpoint and from a workplace standpoint of being successful. And he will be finishing a bachelor's degree and going through the university center, which is a pathway that's certainly out there for a lot of certainly students. He, him doing that, and Carlos is at a different path where he's certainly finishing up his associates. Very likely that he will move forward toward his bachelor's, whether it be here. And I think Carlos, he got an opportunity to go on a trip to his, to Texas Tech. We took a tour out there, and it was an overnight trip, and he uh, certainly expressed some interest in that. So he, he, his path will be into a four-year. When we think about success, some of them, will all, where our goal is certainly retention and their completion of that first year. And some of the little wins, though, were some students where we had a student come in, he was very low in his developmental reading and writing. When he came in, had been in the several developmental courses. We saw that. We shifted him over into our adult and literacy courses, which focus on the reading and writing. Different pace, something that we have as one of our programs there. He was able to go through that and develop some other workplace skills in addition to the literacy skills. And we have a mentor, Boyd Weaver, who's a general manager at Stripes. Dalen goes in for an interview 
he recognizes, where do I know you from? Well, <laughs> Boyd goes to the monthly meetings and he gives him an opportunity to job. So his first opportunity for a job is at Stripes and he's working there now. And uh, I don't know that he would have gotten that had he not been referred over there. And, and so Dalen's story is not over. He will need to come back and work on his certificate mm-hmm. and move forward. But those are the type of stories and touch that we try to have with students. When I talked to Carlos and Derek, it sounded like they knew that they probably needed college, but then there was a roadblock at some point in their career when their bosses were like, if you really want to advance higher than this, you need a degree. Is that something that comes up pretty often? I think I can speak to that from the foundation's perspective is how much we really focus on opening that door of access with a scholarship. Funny story about Carlos is that through the foundation, you know, we can't raise money for things if people don't know the story, which is the beauty of this opportunity with Charity Champions. And so we make an effort to tell stories about our students and feature them and say, here is where your donation is, where the rubber meets the road. This is where it's making an impact. So we did a little show for the college talk, we call it, and Carlos came on as the student to talk about men of color. He, he told us his story, and then it turns out he works at Wells Fargo Bank downtown, and then we featured him in social media, and the college did, and next thing you know, he's on the Wells Fargo National website. You know, it's, it was an amazing, well, time. I mean, what an ascent, right? <laughs> but the beauty of it is, is that Carlos, he went to college early on the hard way he, when he was younger and didn't have a good experience, and he... He just didn't thrive, worked hard doing jobs that were just barely making ends meet. He has four children and a wife that stays home to raise them. He's working, going to school full time. It's it's incredible. And yet he had the guts to try again as a 30-year-old student, 30-something-year-old student. Through the Men of Color program, he's having a completely different experience. And that's the, the beauty of it is that this guy could have just given up and said, I'm not trying this again. His boss at Wells Fargo, though, was like, you need the degree. (laughs) And so you're right. He was through his uh, employment. You know, he'd reached a glass ceiling, I guess. And then the funniest part of the story to me was here he comes into our office one day, you know, a couple months after we'd done the little interview. And he was there to accept a scholarship from the foundation that I didn't even realize he had earned. So it was wow. wow. So, and I said, oh my gosh, you're back. He's like, yeah, I'm here to accept my scholarship. So first, when he first started at MCC, he wasn't accessing any financial aid or scholarship opportunities. But that's one of the things that this brings it all full circle for us is that we can engage at different points in their academic career, help them, you know, if it's an emergency grant, food pantry, scholarships, helping support men of color, whatever it is, using them as a, as a poster child for our success. That's how the foundation really fits this equation. And one thing that I found really interesting about both guys, I was like, okay, what are your plans? And they both, you know, they had plans to achieve more, but they were like, yeah, and I really want to stay involved with the program. I'm like, so you're graduating or you're, you're going to head out. You, you really want to stay involved with the program. And they said, yeah, it's really changed my life. So I want to keep being involved. Does that really help the program keep going by having these guys who have completed it and know the value of it? Yeah, when you start thinking about some of the best practices when you do this type of work, that is it. When you get the, the mentors that have gone through the program and can speak from you know being there, done that, and let them actually lead um, in many cases. Uh, we're a part of a consortium of community colleges and four-year colleges that are, that are taking on this work. And one of the things that we try to speak to is if you can get those individuals that have gone through the program to come back, let them be the, kind of the mentors or leaders of the actual program. We as faculty and staff certainly facilitate and you know be there to search some of the programming, but put them in those roles. So I do see those two young men being able to position themselves to do that. And that would add 
certainly that much more value to the program. So we're talking about trips and you talked about the Texas Tech trip. Why is it important for them to kind of get out of Waco, get out of the MCC environment to see these other places? Well, we partnered with, in that trip, we partnered with our TRIO program, which provides services to under students who have disadvantages, uh, very similar backgrounds, certainly the, some of the men in the program. And so that was a trip where we loaded up a van, uh, we did a road trip out to Lubbock. And on the way there, we, we stopped and we see the huge windmills that they have that <laughs> on the way yeah. that many of the students hadn't seen. And we stopped and take you know, selfies with the windmills to be exposed to that. Then we get into Lubbock and it's a huge dust storm, right? So they're not <laughs> used to used to Central Texas. And so being able to experience that, the overnight stay. And Laura Krabs, who's the director of that program, she has training in etiquette and dining. And so we go to a fine restaurant and we go over the, the, the nuances of eating and, you know, etiquette piece there. So that was a part of it. Then we had students who had transitioned from McLennan to Tech, one of being in the Minicolor program, and two young ladies who were in the TRIO program come over for dinner and we sit around a huge table and they just talk about what it takes to transition from here to there. And it's not the scripted, here's A, B, C, and D. It's no, this is what you look for in a roommate. Here's where you stay and don't stay. Here are the classes to take and how to position yourself and some of the things that they were had, had to navigate on their own to certainly reach back to them. But then I really enjoyed having the opportunity to be out of the office and being with those students and on a road trip. I mean, I look at when I was coming up, we'd load up an old car and we'd make a trip out <laughs> to wherever. And, and I treated it as that. We bought some drinks and sodas and sat in the, and had them in the water and had them in the cooler. And we uh, we made pit stops and kind of laughed and joked around the way. But then when you do that, you have those informal conversations where they can come up to you and talk to you and visit. And you can have unscripted discussions and questions that they may have and ask. So that's certainly the important part of that. And I do think them seeing you as a you know faculty dean or staff member in a different role that this guy's just like me man he's he's but he, he enjoys some of the very similar things that I do and you get those common interests and it helps them see their path as well. Do you think a lot of those students had never been that far away from Waco? I would I would think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a dust storm and I kind of had to tell them that this is West Texas. This is not <laughs> going to be the end of the world type of thing. And Because many of them had, had expressed an interest in you know, obviously going to tech and, you know, it's just livable. And, but, then, <laughs> but then when me saying that, but then the students and they said, yeah, we ran into a dust storm. Said, oh, yeah, that happens. But you just cover up, you blow by. And then they talk about their experience but, and they've endured it. So they can speak from that perspective and the students, it's okay, so it's not that big a deal and put it in perspective. So yeah, it was the first time many of them had gone that far and, and certainly being in probably a different setting with uh, their faculty and staff members. I would think also a lot of these students probably, you know, if their mom or dad didn't go to college, they only see, you know, you do high school and then you go work and then they took that extra step to go to college after that, but maybe not go past Waco and you only see so much here, so they maybe didn't even know all of this was possible until they finally saw it, right? That's so important for these students to be able to picture themselves in that setting as opposed to just what they know, very you know narrow focus. And that's one of the reasons all of our student success programs that the foundation's involved with, we try to build in a cultural component. Our first-generation scholars is another great program that we support. We load them up on a bus, and we go to cultural experience in Dallas, a play, musical, symphony type thing, have dinner in a nice restaurant. There's that etiquette piece again. It's incredible. One time we took a group to Austin for an opera. We went to Papado's for (laughs) the meal and the girl next to me is like, 
I don't know what to order. I've only had fish sticks ever, <laughs> right? And that's so typical mm-hmm. is that we grow up with a very narrow frame of reference. And so the travel and being able to go picture themselves and see students just like them that have made the transition to tech or to UT, it, it just opens their world incredibly. So that that is one piece of this that the foundation is really in, intent on supporting is having the, the funds to be able to attend that conference, to be able to do those college visits and that sort of thing to broaden their world. So what is the leadership conference like? So the leadership conference is through the University of Texas at Austin, and they've got their diversity component that's really carved out two faculty members there that work full-time in research and developing this initiative of men of color. So, And what they've grown that into, there's about 25 to 30 four-year universities community colleges, and high schools. And each one of those entities sends students for two days to UT. We, we certainly stay in hotels, but it's on the UT campus. And there's a two days of breakout sessions. They bring in really great keynote speakers. And they give the students about, talk to them about what is it like to, you know, their struggle and that they belong in college and what's the, the steps they need to take, how they're successful in hearing their stories. And then the breakout sessions are really focused on everything from, you know, their culture pieces there, from policing and, and being involved and, you know, justice involved and how to overcome that. The thing that you get there are when you, when you put all those general, those folks in a room, you have the high schools there, then you have the universities. And so these students that we're taking from the community college are interacting with Prairie View A&M, University of Texas, Baylor University. They have students that are all there, and these students are willing to engage and have conversations with them. Well, what's it like on your campus? And talk about courses and the potential to transfer there. So it's this whole environment that they've really structured. And we participate. So the leadership conference and it happens in August, in which is right before the fall, the start of fall. So it's almost like the students get this kind of a jolt or mm-hmm. you know, invigorating opportunity to go and hear all this positive stuff about how I can make it and hear stories about other guys that are making it and seeing other students in four-year in high schools and how they're making it and then segue over into Clinton and start their work. So the timing of that's good. And, and what that consortium also does, they have meetings couple times a year where we're when available we try to attend because they try to go through the best practices because we don't know for sure we don't have it totally figured out there's work to be done and we've we certainly got a good plan but we're not at any point saying we've got to totally figure out so what they're doing is as they research and they develop best practices we go we listen we try to bring that back so we can enhance what we're doing so it's this ongoing body of work that's going uh, to certainly develop this And I would think also that the high school students seeing the college kids, they're like, oh, I can aspire to be this person. I maybe haven't seen that kind of person in my life that's somebody who's, you know, about to get their four year degree. Right. And they have a, they do, they're really intentional about having some real exciting events. And when you have a, like a Prairie View A&M who has a very strong mission toward uh, this program and they bring 20 guys there and those guys are very articulate and want to reach out and reach out to those students. It's impactful for them and, and really giving them the message. So those students are participants, but they're really in the role of mentors to be able to at the conference and do that. So, yes. I think on the other side of that, the, the college kids get to see the high school kids and be like, I was there once. You can do it. 
<laughs> right, right. And, and and you would think that if you have, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th graders in there, you might have, okay, are they going to think that they're silly and those type <laughs> of things? But to look at those guys interact and have the understanding, like you just mentioned, that I was there at one point, and to hear students stand up and say that, you know, I, I didn't really belong. I was certainly raised by my mom and grandmother and really hadn't been around a lot of male figures, and this is the first, and this is kind of quotes from one of the guys that stood up, I've never been around this many men and men of color in a room ever. And so for him to say that and, and, and everybody certainly embrace him, it's certainly powerful. We were talking earlier about kind of the needs of you guys. And typically sometimes when we're working with some charities, they have actual physical needs like beds or lifts or things like that. But you guys just really, you need the funding to make this happen. Is that right? Right. Administrative support, essentially, for these men to get together and have a lunch, to have the mentoring sessions, to have the barbershop chat sessions, it requires putting on a meal. We're fortunate that the college is investing in this program this year for the first time with an actual employee that's going to get up every day and make sure men of color thrives. That's incredible. That's a that's a huge leap forward. But we, we still don't have a budget for this, for this program. So mm. the foundation is getting involved in a much larger way to help try to funnel money and people in the community that say, this is such a worthwhile thing. It's something I want to be attached to and something I, I can see for the benefit of the larger community. We know that if Three out of four young men of color or any students are not succeeding. That's not good for our community long term. So to come in and help break down those barriers, ease their path, help them be successful. And then we all know their students are going to, our MCC students stay in this community. They're invested here. They have roots and they're going to stay those employers or those donors may end up seeing those folks as future employees at their business. So it's it's a grassroots kind of effort for us to get the dollars to help run the program, enable these students to go to Austin to that conference that is so transformative. That's the money. It's the money piece. Would it be a good place for somebody who's listening to this podcast who maybe works for an organization and they want to like sponsor people to help these young men come up and maybe join their ranks someday? Is it a good idea for them to kind of partner with you guys Absolutely. to sponsor people? Absolutely. We can we can work with folks in any way they'd like to. You know, there's no cost for the students to participate in the program, but for us to run the program on a monthly basis this takes dollars, obviously. Another great example is we want to bring in, say, a leadership speaker. There might mm-hmm. be fees attached to that. We could bring that in and open it up to all of our populations on campus to say, hey, here's an inspiring person who you could learn from. And we would focus on bringing in a speaker that has a similar background a story. So there's all kinds of ways companies or individuals can engage with this through helping us make these opportunities available. It could take the form of sponsoring the lunch, you know, if a restaurant wanted to sponsor the lunch one day or if somebody wanted to cover the cost of a speaker coming in or just those kinds of things. We're not we don't need it for paper clips and pencils. We need (laughs) it to make the program really go to the next level. And also we were talking about like community involvement, other people that run companies in town. When we were talking to Derek, he said his employer was open to having you guys come in and kind of talk to people in the program about employment opportunities at his company. Mm -hmm. Do you see that a lot with companies that are saying, hey, we're excited about this program. We want to help out and we want graduates from your program? We haven't yet, but I think that's our goal. I think that's the ultimate goal is to make sure that this is fully plugged into the business community of Waco. Because that's, I mean, at the end of the day, success means that they are 
achieving a career that are self-supporting, supporting their families and making Waco and the Central Texas area a better place. And you, when you think about Derek as an employee and a valuable employee, that's where we're the connection for the employer is going to make it because he's, he's an asset to them and they want more assets like him to show up. So if our program can certainly produce young men who can go be viable employees and workers, that's going to be even benefit. And I think that's where it's certainly from the industry standpoint and having the opportunity to go and see those other businesses, whether it be tours and like what Derek is rep- saying there, that helps those students make the connection from yeah, I'm taking all these academic courses, but the end goal is from, and I am the dean of workforce, and it's it's that they lead to you know gainful employment that they can support their families and be certainly good taxpayers and certainly in, and have a good life. So that is a, certainly part of that career path that we want them to be able to see, and that's being able to connect it. So one of the things that you know when we think about the best practices, certainly having a clear path way academically and we've worked really strong on the campus to develop an academic pathway so students can understand here are the courses you take here's the pathway and here are the jobs that it leads to and we can then connect them to actually going and seeing and being on the job and seeing how that looks that kind of fulfills that whole pathway concept to career so making that connection then that adds value to the program because we're just not a program we're a pathway to success for the students. And I can't wait to introduce the audience to Derek and Carlos because they are both awesome guys. But I can tell you that if they're indicative of what comes out of the program, mm-hmm. that everybody in Waco is going to want those people. Absolutely. They're, they're our future leaders. They are. And one reason the foundation has jumped in feet first to support men of color and partner with this is that we want to bet on the winners and these guys are winners. And even if they come in and they think I'm not supposed to be here before we're done with them, they will be winners and they'll feel like it. And another piece of this I want to touch on because Frank won't say it, but I mean, think about how awesome it is to come to college and to, to be able to engage with one of the deans. How often does it happen, right? It doesn't happen very often in colleges, but these guys are able to interact with one of our deans. Here's a guy that is so much like them. He's got his doctorate. He's, you know, a high-level person at MCC, an important position, but he's a regular guy. And they get to know him as a person and model him, which I think is just an incredible opportunity. So that that mentoring piece goes beyond just the one-on-one, hey, you know, I can answer questions. It's setting their goals for them. They want to be like Frank someday, I think. Doesn't everybody? He's he's (laughs) blushing. I know. Everybody. I'm sure you'll have to edit some of that out. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. No, don't edit that. (laughs) So if people want to learn more about the MCC Foundation and Men of Color, where should they go? Well, if the easiest is probably to go to mclennan.edu slash foundation and right at the top of that page will be a huge charity champions heart and a link to the men of color page which you could also get to through mclennan.edu slash men hyphen of hyphen color might be easier just to say foundation and we'll we're all going to be integrated so you can learn about us learn about the program and like i said we have several other student support programs that are supported by the foundation and it kind of creates this overall arching umbrella of support it's just really changing what foundation work used to be you know back in the day it was like raise money to put in a plaza or raise money to start a scholarship fund which those are all wonderful projects but we are really getting into the granular level of helping student success and that's that's where it really gets exciting and i think donors get excited about it too 
raise money to change lives. Exactly. Well, thank you both for being here. Congratulations on being charity champions. We're so excited to have you in the family. And uh, most people will be listening to this after your presentation on the field, but we're really excited to recognize you at the upcoming Baylor game. So thank you so much for the work you're doing in the community. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Charity Champions podcast. If you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please take a moment and rate and review us. This helps our podcast reach more listeners. Have a charity you'd like to nominate for next season? Visit charitychampions.org nominate. You can also find more information on this podcast and all Charity Champions at charitychampions.org. And of course, tell all your friends. We'll see you next time.